0: Welcome back to Food Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in 3 John chapter 1. It reads, The Elder to the Beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, and that you may be in good health, as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing that you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us, And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers, and also stops those who want to, and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God, whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone, and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, each by name. As we continue our walk through the epistles of John, we get here to this personal letter from John to Gaius. In this letter, we see that John begins to give some specifics of the false teaching that is in the midst of his people that he is shepherding. And so he writes here specifically about the way in which they should continue to do what is good and should react against the opposition that they are receiving. We see there in verse 9 through 11, we find what we are to do when we reach opposition. And so that's what we're going to anchor in today for our faith. We have the specifics of what he is saying given to us in these verses, but there might be some details beyond that that we would love to know, but they're not recorded here nor are they recorded in other places. We want to know probably specifically who Diotrephes is and what he is trying to do to the church. From the text, we can see that he is being selfish and he is not acknowledging the authority of the apostles and most likely the local church that is there. So when he is coming to him, John says, if I am there, if I come to you, I will bring up what he's doing. I'm going to talk against what he is doing. He is going to refute this false teaching for the sake of the purity of the church. And he's going to make sure that they know that they're to welcome the brothers and that they're going to make sure that they continue to welcome those who are doing the same things. They're not to be putting these hindrances up from meeting together or joining in with one another. And they're also not to continue to imitate the evil in their midst. And I think that that's a huge principle for them to understand. That when they see evil, when they recognize it, when they are understanding what is right and what is wrong, they're not to continue to live in what is wrong. Once it has been made clear to them, they're to put that away and they're to continue living according to the righteousness and the goodness and the good things that God has called them to do. But whenever they don't do that, they allow evil to be in their midst and to continue to grow and to continue to impact their ability to impact others for the sake of the gospel." And so when we look at this opportunity for us to understand and respond to opposition that is coming into our midst, we have to understand the process that John has displayed here. One, to identify the false teaching. Two, to give a warning to that individual. And if that individual does not cease from what is taking place and continues to proliferate these false teachings, then they're to be cast out from the midst. Once again, John does this for the sake of the purity of the church, for the focus that these individuals need to understand that if they continue to allow evil in their midst, it will continue to grow and it will make it so that they are unable to do what God has called them to do. When we look at this passage, we see the significance of this in him writing this letter to Gaius. At this point in time, many years after Jesus has left and gone to heaven, there are few people left who can provide this ability to speak authoritatively as those who are with Jesus. And so John is on this crusade to continue to allow individuals who are present in the growing church to understand the truth of the foundation of the gospel. And when they go back to the truth of the foundation of the gospel, it is much easier for them to be able to point to the errors in these teachings around them because the people are adding or subtracting from what God had originally said and what Jesus had displayed in his life and his ministry. And so it's important for John to be able to do this because he is that link to Jesus, because he is that individual who understands, understood what Jesus taught. But the other side of this is, now John is obviously not around in our day. So how do we maintain that same purity of the church? We do it by understanding what the scriptures teach, by being students of God's word, by going back and combing through what we have in front of us, by studying it, by abiding in it, by allowing God to use His Holy Spirit to speak to us about the truth of His Word. By being students of His Word and lovers of His people, we're able to grow in our unity and we're able to see the way in which we're to speak out against the errors and the opposition that come into our midst. But we don't do that as our main focus. Our main focus is to gain the opportunities to understand what the scriptures say and have given us for life and godliness and to share that message with others. But in doing so, we know we will come across opposition. We need to be prepared for that. But we need to be students of God's word so that we can be ambassadors for God's kingdom impacting the places that he puts us, and impacting the people that he brings into our lives. And so may that be true in our midst as we reflect here on 3 John. As far as a question from this passage, I mentioned a little bit of this in what we were saying about our understanding of what is being written in this letter, but the common questions are, who are these people, Gaius, Diotrephes, and Demetrius? Who are these people, Unfortunately we know very little about Gaius. We don't know really anything aside from the name and that John has a connection to him. We know little about Diotrephes. We know about what is mentioned here and the way in which he is working as an opposition or an opponent to the gospel and what he's doing, challenging authority, putting himself first, being selfish in what's going on. We also know that his behavior is contrasted with Demetrius. Demetrius, we pick up in verse twelve, and the linchpin of the verse that connects those two is not imitating evil, but imitating good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. And so, whoever does good is from God. Then he connects that to Demetrius, who has received a good testimony. So, Demetrius is contrasted with Diotrephes, but we know very little about him as well. Just like with Gaius, Gaius and Demetrius are very common names. We don't know these individuals. It's believed by some that Demetrius might even be the person who's delivering this letter, which gives him a connection to the local people that he's writing to. And it allows us to see maybe a little bit about what's going on with that relationship. But we can't authoritatively say that. And So this is one of those instances where we might have questions that we might not be able to answer. But the importance of this is, when we have those situations, we must rest in the fact that nothing that we need or is necessary for salvation, is missing from God's word. And so we might be curious about these events. We might want to know a little bit more than what the scriptures tell us, but we need to rest knowing that we don't really need to have all of that information to be doing what God has called us to do. There will be times when extra-biblical literature can provide for us some clarity on some of these things, But there are situations where there's nothing in the text, there's nothing in the other scriptures, and there's nothing in other areas of extra-biblical resources that are going to allow us to create the full picture that we might desire. But that shouldn't keep us from searching the scriptures, nor should it keep us from desiring to study God's Word, to grow our faith, and to grow our understanding of what He's trying to reveal to us each day. And so as you look at this very short letter, just these small 15 verses, maybe there's some other aspect of it that you would like to look into. I pray that you do that, or at least talk about this with others who are in your life, that you can encourage one another, support one another, and point each other towards what the God of the scriptures is trying to reveal to each one of you today. As you commit to that, know you are loved.